0: Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. My wife told me I'm allowed to hate this book. <laughs> For those of y'all who don't know... Uh, The book is available like advanced copies or advanced chapters are available on Patreon. And so she listens to the Patreon feed. And so she's where I am, where y'all are now. And she told me that I'm allowed. Because, again, the way that they're treating Breeze is completely unconscionable, like completely uncalled for. There's levels to this. So, yeah, we're right. Patreon.com slash single simulcast. You can leave a review on Podchaser. Cool thing about that is you can leave a review for the show or the episode as a whole. Take that. Reverse it. Um, I want to thank the people who have left the review thus far. I really do appreciate that. I want to thank the people who have joined the uh, Facebook group. I appreciate that. Um, Yeah. Let's go. Chapter 10. I'm not one of God's children, because I'm too much like the devil. Mecca. Carter embraced Garza and patted the old man on the back as they said their final goodbyes. It was the inevitable day that they both had orchestrated, and now Carter was leaving with his freedom, while Garza would be left behind. Enjoy those cigarettes, old man, Carter joked as he pointed to the boxes that Garza had stacked up in the corner, courtesy of Carter. Visit the priest for me. Make sure you give him what he has coming to him, and please ensure that my name is the last one he hears, Garza replied in a low tone. Carter nodded, letting Garza know that no further words need to be spoken. The tear of prisoners erupted in loud, boisterous cheers. <laughs> Why? Why? The, the tear of prisoners erupted in loud, boisterous cheers as Carter made his last walk down the halls. They were giving him praise for beating his case. Carter took it all in stride, never appearing arrogant and simply making his exit. So as he starts walking down the tier, somebody starts playing, Celebrate good times, come on! And everybody's like, Aah! And one person throws their underwear out, and another person throws toilet paper out, and now they just rolls of toilet paper and they're all unspooling like, like confetti. And somebody doesn't have anything to throw out over the tier. Because they're on a higher up tier than he is. So they don't have anything to throw out over the tier to show their appreciation. Except for their bunkie. So they throw their bunkie <laughs> over the tier. And so now there's a guy who's falling to his death behind Carter. And Carter just steps through. And he's still looking all cool and arrogant because he beat his case. And in his mind, hey, hey. Is playing in the background. And then all you hear a, as the guy falls and, and dies. And then it goes back to normal. Carter emerged from the prison gates with a luxury Lincoln Town car awaiting him. Mecca emerged from the back of the car, and the usual tension that dwelled between the half-brothers was non-existent in this moment. Mecca was genuinely happy to see Carter free, because he knew Carter was the only one that could reorganize the cartel. Things would be business as usual under Carter's reign, also because Mia Moore's dead. Good to see you, boy, Mecca stated. Carter slapped hands with Mecca and then embraced him tightly. It's good to see you too, fam. Real good, Carter replied as he stepped inside of the car. Carter gave the driver Mia Moore's address. Now that his freedom had been reestablished, hers was the only company he wanted to keep upon his first night home. Her absence from his life had been slowly driving him insane. He had sent Zaire by her place a few times only to be told that she never answered the door and was nowhere to be found. He wanted to find out for himself, because he knew Mia more well. It wasn't in her character to leave him stuck when he needed her most. With the guards and cartel connection being secured by Zaire, he knew that all the pieces of his life were about to realign. She was the only thing missing. Yeah, you have no idea, good sir. The center of his puzzle was lost, and he had to find it, because without her, everything will be for nothing. Mecca rose silently as he looked out of the window. The sooner this old love sick nigga get over this bitch, the easier it's going to be on him. Ain't no coming back from the place I sent her, he thought. A part of him just wanted to tell Carter the truth, but he knew that it would only complicate things. So he allowed Carter to go on the dummy mission of searching for a girl that he would never find. I had Zaire looking for Mia Moore while I was locked up. He said you told him she had skipped town, Carter said as they pulled up to Mia Moore's high-rise building. That's what I heard. The bitch is bad news, bro. The way that you were wife her before you went in, she should have been the one by your side through it all. She didn't stand tall, my nigga. Before the ink on the indictment papers dried, she got ghosts on you. Fuck her, fam. It ain't worth the headache. You're out, and it's time to move forward. Mecca's advice would have resounded loud and clear if it had been any other woman besides me or more. But she was like an infection of the heart. Letting go would not be so easy. Was she a total infection of the heart? Turn around. Every time I look, I start coughing a little because you're all up in my heart. Turn around. I'm hoping it's not COVID. I'm just hoping it's you because you've infected my heart. So true. Turn around, bright eyes, every now and again I have to fart. Because you know an infection will get into your stomach and cause gas. You know what, never mind. Knowing that Mecca was too callous to understand the connection he shared with me and more, he changed the subject. When Zaire arrives, it's back to business. Until then, I'm going to lay low and get my mind right. I have a couple loose ends to clip before the shipment arrives, he said. Mecca nodded. Your car will be delivered tomorrow morning. Carter exited the car and made his way up to Mia condo. Although he had a key to her place, he knocked politely, not wanting to intrude. When he didn't get an answer, he opened the door anyway and stepped inside. He immediately knew that she had not been there lately. The smell of rotting food permeated through the condo, and she had 20 new messages on her answering machine. As he moved through the apartment, his suspicions arose. Where are you, Ma? He asked, as he inventoried her bedroom. Her closets and dressers were still filled with clothes. He knew that she didn't leave town, because she would never leave her possessions behind. As he collapsed onto her bed, his gut twisted in premonition. He had a feeling that her disappearance was not coincidental, and he was determined to find out exactly where she had gone. But first... He had a message to deliver. Josiah Garza was about to reach out from behind the prison walls and seek vengeance for an unspeakable crime committed against him many years ago. Lena's words haunted Mecca. God is the only one who could take the burden away, the guilt. You need to talk to him. He knew that she was right. He had never been a religious man, but the crimes that he had committed against his own family were torturing him. If there really is a God, I need him to take the pain away, Mecca thought. Although he had no regrets about killing Mia or he did hate himself because he knew that by doing so, he had taken away someone who had meant the world to his brother. Carter was all he had left, and he feared that if the truth was ever revealed, he would have no one. For the first time in his life, Mecca felt remorse for things that he had done to hurt other people. Oh look, Mecca gets growth. You know who doesn't get growth? Breeze. All she gets is shitted on. Even he had to admit that if he hadn't murdered Mia Moore's sister, then she would have never came after his family. He had lived his life recklessly, without regard for others. Any way he tried to spin the situation, everything, all the chaos and misery led back to him. Duh! He had been the spark of it all. Mecca was the root of all evil. Bullets had been the answers to all of his problems, and now all of the lies he had taken were coming back to haunt him. He could barely sleep at night because he was afraid to close his eyes. If he could make amends, he would, but there was no reversing the things he had done. As he sat in front of the Catholic Church, he knew that there was only one thing left to do. Give his burdens to God and hope his soul was capable of being cleansed. He wasn't a Catholic. But he knew that he could never confess his wrongdoings to a black minister. You know that... Okay, so... A Catholic priest can be black. Like, that can happen. I ain't seen it, but I know it can happen. And also, Catholicism is the only one where you gotta actually rat yourself out and tell another nigga what you did. I ain't about that life. Baptist church you can go just talk to Jesus privately and if you just murder like everybody that's probably who you want to bring your sins to not to a pastor who might be related to somebody that you just murdered. His business would travel through Miami's Gossip Grapevine for sure so he chose a place where he could be low key. Confessing to a white man in a white church he was confident that the conversation would go no further than the four walls of the cathedral. As he stepped out of the car he felt his gun on his hip. As many people as he had murdered, it would be foolish to leave it behind, but he removed it from his waistline anyway and placed it beneath his car seat. Despite the fact that his conscience screamed for him to stay strapped, he didn't want to carry the weapon inside of the church. But when your daddy's funeral was going on, you wanted to be strapped up. He took a deep breath as he headed for the entrance, feeling as though his judgment day had arrived. Carter walked side by side with the priest of St. Jude Catholic Church as he explained the concept of forgiveness and redemption. Carter spent the last hour speaking with the old man at the request of Garza. Garza wanted to know if the priest displayed any remorse for the children he had betrayed in the past, and Carter followed his directions precisely. He was given specific instructions. If the priest shows remorse, kill him quickly. If not... Then a slow death would be better suited, Garza had said. Have you ever done something you're not proud of, Father? Carter asked as they sat down near the front of the church. Son, no man is without sin. There are things that I've done in my past that God will hold me accountable for, the priest replied as he became slightly emotional. Some things that I've done I can never take back. Father, I'm here to hold you accountable for those actions. Carter stated in a low, serious tone. Josiah Garza sent me. The old white man's eyes widened in paralyzing fear as he allowed the emotion in his eyes to fall down his wrinkled cheeks. He knew exactly who Carter spoke of, and his mind flashed back to the acts of molestation he had committed against Garza when he was only a small boy. It was then that he realized that today would be his last day on this earth. The priest began to weep as he leaned forward. Resting his head on Carter's shoulder, Carter didn't speak as he closed his eyes. He removed his thirty-eight pistol from the jacket of his Brooks Brothers suit and placed the barrel directly against the priest's chest. He allowed the old man to weep on his shoulder as he pulled the trigger, sending a bullet piercing through his heart. "Forgive me, Father," Carter whispered. Even the dull sound of the silenced bullet echoed slightly against the walls of the cathedral. Carter caught the old man's body as gravity took it to the floor and then laid him down to rest behind one of the church pews. The old man's eyes stared up into space, and Carter closed them. It wasn't a task that Carter wanted to do, but he had given his word. The old man had it coming to him for all the abuse he had afflicted on the young boys of his parish over the years. The clanking sounds of the door opening startled Carter. Fuck, he whispered. Knowing that he could never make it to the back door without being seen. This nigga is about to go into the priest's box. And it's going to be Mecca there. And Mecca is going to confess to everything including killing me and more. He made sure that the priest's body was out of sight. And then slid into the confessional. He hoped that the intruder would come and go quickly. Without throwing a wrench in his program. He planned to execute the priest quietly, without interruption. Carter didn't want to have to hurt an innocent bystander for being in the wrong place at the wrong time. The tension in his body was so high that he could hear his own heartbeat. The other side of the confessional opened, and Carter prepared himself to take another life. He saw the shadow of a man sit across from him on the other side of the lattice. Carter pointed the gun to the center of the shadow's face. But the voice that he heard from the other side stopped him from shooting. He froze as he listened to a confession that he was never meant to hear. Forgive me, Father, for I have sinned, Mecca stated. I don't know how this usually works, but I'm just going to speak my piece. I feel like this is the only place where I can admit the truth without being judged. I know I'm not a good man, I've known it all along, ever since I was a kid. There was always something evil living inside of me, but I kept it dormant for a long time, until the day I killed my twin brother. I have a lot of blood on my hands, father, but the blood of my brother I can't seem to wash away. It's like I see it on my hands all day. Mecca lowered his head into his hands. Even admitting his sins behind the protection of anonymity was hard. I murdered my brother out of rage, out of jealousy. And then I lied to my entire family to cover my tracks. It feels like I've been lying ever since. I murdered my older brother's girlfriend. And I look him in the face every day, watching the hurt in his eyes. I pretend like I don't know why it's there, when in actuality, I caused it. When he asks about her, I plant seeds in his head to make him think she left town, when I know I left her in the basement in pieces. The sick part about it is that I enjoyed it. I know only God has the power to judge, but I was that bitch's judge, jury, and executioner. She took too much away from me to let her live. My father would be ashamed of me. He put family above all else, and all of his sons were built just like him, except for me. Money was a good nigga, father. (laughs) <laughs> I'm I'm sorry I'm sorry I know I know I know this is probably how a, a street I don't know I just feel like if you walked into the church you wouldn't be like I killed that bitch first of all I don't think you'd be like I murdered everybody moving like the 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 father wouldn't have an obligation to call the cops on your ass that's first you ain't getting out of this with a hell Mary and secondly I killed that bitch and Uh, money was a good nigga, father. God bless. Mecca choked up and stopped speaking momentarily to get himself together. He was my other half. My older brother so much like our pops that it scares me. I know that I'm not one of God's children. Because I'm too much like the devil. But I'm tired, father. I just want the demons in me to die. I want to be like my father. Good. Carter sat on the other side of the booth with his finger wrapped tightly around the trigger of his pistol. Disbelief clouded his brain as he pictured Mia Moore's face in his head. He pointed the gun directly at Mecca's face. All he had to do was let off one shot to make things right. With one bullet, the deaths of Mia Moore and Monroe could be avenged. But the fact that Mecca was his brother made him hesitate. They both came from the same bloodline. They were the last of a dying breed. Carter wasn't sure if he'd be able to live with his decision if he chose to kill Mecca. Also because, you know, at the beginning of the book they said that they were all three together in a casket. Carter put his hands to his face as he felt the hot tears threaten to fall. He was in utter turmoil just at the thought of Mia Moore's death. She had been his life, his everything, the woman that he had wanted to marry. He had planned to spend an eternity with her. And in the blink of an eye, she had been taken away. Mecca had robbed him of his only chance in life to be truly happy. Mia more was his happiness. Carter already knew of the basement that Mecca spoke of. It was the cartel's torture chamber. What? Really? They have one? And he knew that Mecca had made her suffer a horrible death. He could hear Mecca crying as he poured out his sins. And Carter closed his eyes. Allowing his own silent tears to fall. Both brothers sat on different sides of the booth in turmoil. The nigga deserves to die. All of this, this entire war started because of the lies he told. Everybody would still be alive if it wasn't for Mecca. We broke the truce with the Haitians because we thought they were responsible for money. And all along, it's been him, Carter thought. His rage was so prevalent that it burned his insides, making him feel as though he would explode at any moment. Hearing Mecca's confession and finally finding out the truth caused his stomach to turn violently. He was sick with grief. He had loved Mecca and trusted him. How could he kill money? He was our brother, Carter thought. How did I miss what was right in front of my face for so long? Mecca murdered Mia me Moore, which sounds like a, 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 a TV show that would come on like Showtime because not on regular TV, but like Johnny Loves Chachi, Mecca murdered Mia me Moore. Carter couldn't grasp the fact that two people he had cared for dearly had been ripped from underneath him. It was unfathomable, and even though he heard the words come directly from Mecca's mouth, he still didn't want to believe them. Carter remembered all the lies that Mecca had told to cover his tracks as he watched Mecca rise and begin to walk away. It was up to him to end Mecca's reign of terror, but he could not do it. Sitting underneath God's watchful eye, all he could do was mourn the deaths of those he had lost at the hands of his only remaining sibling. When Mecca exited the church, Carter stood to his feet and stumbled out of the confession booth. He stepped over the priest's dead body and down the long aisle of the church. He palmed his gun tightly in his hand. The security of having it locked and loaded reassured him. He had no idea what his next move would be. But there was one thing that he was sure of. His brother, Mecca, could not be trusted. This nigga has destroyed everything around him. It'll only be a matter of time before he comes for me. What's the matter, Zaire? You're not used to riding to things this big? Iliana asked as she lit a cigarette and blew the smoke in the air. You're going 55 miles per hour. The limit is 70. Zaire sighed as he reached over and pulled the cigarette from between her lips. She had been talking nonstop since they had left Mexico, and he was more than tired of hearing her talk slick out of the side of her neck. Hey, she objected as she turned in her seat and looked at Zaire in irritation. I said no cigarettes, Zaire replied as he kept his eyes fixed on the road in front of him. Driving from Mexico back to Miami was a four-day trip, and he was sure to go crazy with Ileana riding shotgun. Ileana rolled her eyes and crossed her hands over her chest. She pointed at the highway sign and said, Pull over at the next stop. The fuck for? Zaire asked. I can't keep stopping every hour. We'll never make it back at this rate. I have to piss, so unless you want me to soak these fucking seats, pull over at the next stop, Eliana replied bossily. She's got a great grasp of the English language. Just saying. Zaire glared over at her. He had to bite his tongue to stop himself from barking on her. It was obvious that she was used to men catering to her every whim. This bitch is going to drive me crazy, Zaire thought as he pulled over at the next rest stop. Hurry up, he instructed. Ileana purposely took her time as she watched Zaire through the window of the truck stop. She enjoyed giving him a hard time. It was foreplay for her. Since the moment she had seen him, he held her attention. He was focused, powerful, and had a dominant personality that piqued her interest. It was she who had convinced Felipe to send her to Miami. It would be the perfect opportunity for her to get to know Zaire. She was a woman who did not understand the word no, and when she saw something she wanted, she went after it relentlessly. Zaire was in her line of sight, and he didn't even know it. As she finally emerged from the rest stop, she noticed Zaire standing outside of the truck, waiting impatiently and looking around cautiously. Relax. Nobody's watching, Zaire. You American boys are so paranoid. You watch too many gangster movies. My brother's moved shipments like this for years, and nothing has ever gone wrong, she stated as she stood directly in front of him. She was standing so closely that she could feel the imprint of his penis rubbing against her. The thin linen fabric of her sundress blew in the wind, and she made no effort to move. Zaire smirked at her blatant attempts at flirtation. Get in the car. We're not stopping again," Zaire stated in a firm tone as he pushed her gently away from him and hopped back in the truck. Zaire got back onto the interstate as Iliana reached for the radio to turn it up. Zaire immediately switched it back off. "What? The radio isn't allowed either," Iliana asked. "I'm supposed to ride for days without any entertainment." "I can't hear the sirens if the radio's blasting," Zaire answered simply. Read one of your magazines or something. I guess I'll have to entertain myself then, she replied with a mischievous smile as she opened her legs and slipped her fingers up her dress. She played with her clit as one of her straps fell off her shoulder. Zaire peered over and almost slid out the road as he swerved in surprise. Yeah, cause this is a good fucking idea. You know, you're in charge of your brother's shipment of drugs that are going to Florida from Mexico. And it's going to take like four days for y'all to get there. So on the very first day, the very first day, Zaire tells her we're not stopping anymore after he makes one rest stop. And then she starts masturbating in the front seat. So then he looks over at her and swerves like cops aren't going to pull over a swerving ass truck that could be a danger because the truck could tip at any given moment. And then they're going to find the drugs in the back. What are you doing, he asked as he cleared his throat uncomfortably and regained control of the wheel. You told me to read or something. This is something, she whispered. The look in her eyes radiated lust as she put on a one-woman show for Zaire. He couldn't help but to look over at the lovely sight as she closed her eyes and worked her fingers in and out of her wetness. He could see her juices flowing onto the seat. You could touch it, Zaire. I know you want to. Everything about Ileana was inviting. Even her words teased his ears as he struggled to keep his attention focused on the road. His manhood hardened at the visual Ileana was providing him with. Ileana was a seductress, and she laughed slightly because she knew that Zaire was trying to resist the inevitable. She crawled across the front seat of the cabin and climbed into Zaire's lap straddling him. Yo, fuck is you doing, ma? Zaire asked, his voice low with indecision as he continued to drive. You gonna make me crash this big motherfucker? Ileana reached down and massaged his heart on through his cargo shorts before removing it from his confinement. Mmm. She moaned as she kissed his neck. The scent of her invaded his nostrils as he gave to the temptation. She was too beautiful to resist, too enticing to turn away, and although he knew the mixing business with pleasure was for the foolish, Iliana was too hard to turn away. Just like all the other men she had encountered, he could not tell her no. Let me pull over, Zaire whispered as his breath caught in his throat when she slid down on his shaft. She was so tight that it felt as if his dick was in a glove specifically sized for him. Damn, Ma. No, keep driving. Don't stop, Iliana moaned as she worked her hips in circles, enjoying how he filled her up perfectly, taking up all the space in her pussy. The girth of him took her breath away as she rode him slowly. The ecstasy was so great that Zaire could not stop his eyes from closing. He was high off the feeling that Iliana was giving him and the harder she rode down on him, the faster he pushed the large Mack truck. The mixture of speed and sex tickled his loins as his adrenaline rushed him. He removed one hand from the steering wheel to grip her voluptuous behind. Ooh, Zy, come with me, Poppy, she urged as she felt the intensity building between her thighs. The sound of her voice in his ear as she rode him only heightened his lust for her. Zaire was ready to pull over and beat it up. Ride it faster, Ma, he coached. Iliana began to work her vaginal muscles, tensing them around his thickness until Zaire could no longer take it. He lifted her off of him with one hand just as he exploded. He closed his eyes, and his mouth fell open as he rode the powerful wave with an orgasm. Zaire! Iliana yelled as the truck veered into the next lane. She grabbed the steering wheel, laughing hysterically, until Zaire regained his composure. Is it too much to ask for you to pull over again at the next stop so I can clean up, she asked. Zaire nodded and gave her a rare smile, turning his usual serious face into the most handsome one she had ever seen. Yeah, Ma, whatever you want. I got you, he replied. That's all it took, huh? Just put it on him. Mm. Too bad Breeze couldn't put him on him. He probably would have protected her better. Carter stood outside the house where Mecca had murdered me and Moore. It wasn't hard to find. The cartel had used a dilapidated structure many times before. Things didn't make sense to him. He didn't understand why Mecca had taken such extreme measures. What did she do to deserve this, he thought as he stepped foot inside. The stench of death invaded his nose instantly. It was almost too much for him to stomach. Making his way down the basement steps, he saw the remnants of Mia Moore's murder. The floor was painted with stains of her blood, and the entire room only gave him unwanted images of her death. He stood in the middle of the room as he absorbed it all. He could feel Mia Moore's ghost lingering over him. It pained him, because he would never even get to lay her to rest properly. I'm sorry. He whispered aloud as he turned to leave. As he looked back one more time, he noticed something on the floor. A necklace, one identical to the one he wore, lay near the wooden chair. He walked over to it and picked it up. His hands instinctively went to his own neck to touch the small cross that hung from it. It had been a gift from their father, and because they were the only two left, he knew that it was Mecca's. The walls of the basement began to close in on him as his grief threatened to swallow him whole. Not only had he lost his woman, but his brother as well. No matter how he chose to resolve the situation, things would never be the same. With a new connect, things were supposed to be looking up. But deceit was threatening to tear the cartel apart from the inside out. His cell phone rang just as he made his exit. He answered it immediately immediately. Already knowing that it was Zaire. Zai, I got to talk to you about Mecca. I just got off the phone with him. We about to get this money, fam. Mecca's on his way to the warehouse. Meet me there. Wait, what? Iliana just said a few moments ago that they had to ride for days in that Mack truck without any entertainment. So how he already at the warehouse? Is this a timeline thing again? Because. Carter standing outside the house that Mecca murdered Mia me Morin right after he left the Catholic Church, right? Timelines. I'm on my way, but do me a favor, Zaire. Don't trust Mecca. Be careful around him. I'll explain later, Carter replied in a tone of warning. No explanation needed. It wasn't a day that I didn't move carefully around him anyway, fam. A nigga with a body count like that, you gotta watch, not me. Carter walked into the warehouse to the most beautiful sight he had ever seen. 3,000 kilos of cocaine sat neatly lined side by side, one on top of the other, composing a wall of riches before him. The math was easy to do. Flipping that many birds meant that they were about to be stupid rich. Yeah, boy, you could crack a smile. No need to be the boss at all times, Zaire joked as he slapped hands with Carter and embraced him briefly. He missed Mecca with the introductions. He had no desire to show his brother love when all he was feeling in his heart was hate. We're back. I could put this work out ASAP. Let niggas know the drought is over, Mecca stated. Carter stared at Mecca for a long time and found it hard to conceal his rage. Fire burned in his eyes and even the stature of his presence was stiff, cold, as if Mecca was an enemy. What's good, Carter? You Mecca asked. He had no idea that his secret was out, but as he looked in his older sibling's eyes, he felt that the times of treachery were headed his way. Everything's good, just thinking about how niggas might want to steer clear of stepping on my toes. I made the mistake of trusting Ace too much. It's always the closest niggas to you to do the most harm, Carter replied while never averting Mecca's gaze. Nah, baby. You don't put in work. You just sit back and drive this ship. Take us to the money like only you can do. Me and Zai can handle the beef. All snake-ass niggas have been taken care of, Mecca replied. There's always one left hiding in the grass, Carter responded. The tension in the room was high and put Mecca slightly on edge. He felt as if he was staring into the eyes of his father. It felt like Carter was looking straight through him, and the only other man who had ever been able to make him feel so transparent was their father. Zaire was silent because he knew Carter well. He was speaking in codes, and Mecca didn't even have a clue that the beef Carter had was with him. How doesn't he? I don't speak in codes, and I understood. I guess I do speak in codes, and I understood that shit. If somebody looks right at me and be like, there's snakes in the grass, bitch! Larcenous ass nigga, Carter thought. Zaire pulled two keys from his pocket and handed one to both men. I had the locks changed. Only the three of us have access to this building, so each and every bird should always be accounted for, Zaire stated. Felipe sent his sister Ileana back to Miami with me. She's here to protect their investment. A set of eyes for the guards of cartel. First of all, he gave a fake key to Mecca. I already know that. Mecca's going to try and pull some sort of shit later. That's it. There is no second of all. Where is she now? Carter asked. I took her to my crib. I didn't know if you wanted her to know the location of the warehouse. 3,000 joints are too many to take any risks, Zaire stated. You can show her and only her where we keep them, Carter stated. She doesn't need a key, however. If the Mexicans want her here to make sure everything is moving right, then we have nothing to hide from them. It'll show good faith. Carter began to walk away, and Zaire stated, I know we're going to celebrate tonight. This is a power move we're making. Carter turned around and shook his head as he looked at Mecca. Disappointment, anger, sadness, it all consumed him simultaneously. Without responding, Carter made his exit. He had thought that when he emerged from prison, that all of his problems would be behind him. But now the dilemmas in his life seemed to be even more prevalent than before. Fuck is up with him, Mecca stated. Zaire feigned ignorance and replied, I don't know, but I'd hate to be a problem of his. Just because he don't talk about it don't mean he ain't about it, know I mean? Carter ain't about playing gangster. He don't gotta be all extra in order to get his point across. That macho shit is for dumb niggas. And dumb motherfuckers are the easiest to clip. Zaire sat in the apartment like a seasoned chemist as he took it back to his humble roots. Cooking dope with ten naked women around him. The titties and ass that were on display were of no interest to him. It only ensured that nobody got sticky fingers. Theft was impossible when you wore no clothes to stash the product. The cartel took to the streets like never before, and in addition to selling the bricks wholesale, they had chosen to break down 300 of them. Zaire was a perfectionist when it came to stretching cocaine, and he was more than willing to put in the work to turn 300 into 600 with the help of the lovely ladies around him. While Mecca thought he was above serving fiends, Zaire wasn't for turning away a single dollar. He loved money, and while Mecca had the wholesale market covered, Zaire was taking over the streets. He kept a hood and set up his operation on every single inner city block in Dade County. He wasn't about the gunplay, because he didn't need any unnecessary attention from the boys in blue. So instead of forcing his competition out, he played fair and simply offered them an opportunity to work for him. His affiliation with the cartel put stars in niggas' eyes, and they instantly jumped at the chance just to be down by association. Zaire had so many hustlers working for him that he never personally saw the blocks. He simply organized the operation, supplied the dope, and sat back as the money piled in. Nobody caused conflicts because everybody was eaten. Miami had never seen a movement like the cartels. It was calculated carefully and executed with efficiency. It was all about the money. And the more they accumulated, the more the streets began to forget the troubles that plagued them surrounding the law. The cartel was back, and better than ever. They had learned from their mistakes, and this time, what they were building was untouchable. The only thing that could tear down their empire was self-destruction. Chapter 11 Young Zaire is simply a protege of yours. You both are men of little patience, always eager to get to the dinero. Felipe Carter pulled up to Felipe's estate. He had moved through the bricks and it was re time. Carter made hustling look easy. Most men wouldn't know how to handle one brick, and within a month, he had burned through 3000 Now he was back in Mexico to pay the piper. He was eager to meet his connect face-to-face for the first time. He no longer needed Zaire to play middleman. Now that he was free, he could handle his own affairs. He was unimpressed by the opulence around him as he entered Felipe Garza's estate. If anything, the flashiness of the place turned him off. It was obvious that Felipe was living a lavish life, and Carter only hoped that his new connect was smart enough to ensure his longevity. If Felipe's spotlight was too bright, then others would surely be watching. The estate was beautiful, but it was excessive and massive, too much for any one man. Carter hoped the linking up with this new connect did not prove to be a costly mistake. He took a deep breath to calm himself before he exited the car. His recent stay in prison had caused him to be increasingly aware of every move he made. He viewed the streets as a chess game and wanted nothing more than a win. Carter Jones, my brother Josiah Garza speaks highly of you. It's good to finally meet with you, Felipe greeted, extending his hand as the two men shook. Likewise, I know this visit is unexpected. We were not scheduled to meet for another three months, but i like to move quickly, efficiently, Carter stated. I understand. I was under the impression that we would meet once you were done with the entire package. It does me no good to receive my money in pieces. I'd like the entire $40 million back at one time, Felipe replied. Before he responded, he walked over to the limo and knocked on the window. The driver emerged and popped the trunk where duffel bag after duffel bag filled the interior. Like I said, I moved quickly. That's the entire 40 with an extra 5 for you as repayment for the work you put in concerning my case, Carter stated. You can have your men unloaded. The first deal proved to be very lucrative. Let us waste no time in doing it again. Although it was Carter who was the guest, he took charge as if he was on his home turf. He held out his arm and motioned for Felipe to walk with him. He could see the displeasure in Felipe's eyes. The Mexican drug lord was used to other men following his lead, but it was clear that Carter Jones had no intention of playing the back. He was a boss and conducted himself as such. Felipe had taken a keen interest in Zaire. He had liked the young fellow because he had displayed the proper etiquette in dealing with someone superior to him. Carter, however, had put a different taste in his mouth. In his presence, Felipe felt inadequate, and it was then that he realized that all the things he had heard about the cartel was true. He was staring into the eyes of their leader, a man even greater than himself. Carter had experienced a minor setback when he had fallen under a federal microscope, but now that things were back on track, he had the potential to overthrow any empire. Felipe knew that this was not the intention of Carter, but his demeanor indicated that it was always a possibility. Felipe would have to be careful with how much power he helped the cartel reattain. Now I see the young Zaire is simply a protege of yours. You both are men of little patience, always eager to get to the dinero, Felipe stated. Let us get to know each other as men first, and then we will discuss our arrangements. I own a few brothels and gentlemen's establishments and I'm sure you will enjoy. Carter nodded and obliged with a discreet smirk because he knew that Felipe was trying to fill him out. He had sent Zaire to Mexico with specific instructions to go with the flow because he didn't know what he was getting his little man into. He, on the other hand, was there to establish boundaries and to ensure that both parties understood each other clearly. He wasn't there to party and bullshit but this would give him a perfect opportunity to turn the tables and learn more about the Garza cartel's operation. Murder discreetly picked the lock to Mia Moore's old condo, the same place where Carter had recently taken residence, and slipped inside. The place still held Mia Moore's scent, and Carter had removed none of her old belongings, which made memories of his little mama come rushing back to murder. It was as if she still lived there and could walk through the door at any moment. Being so close to the cartel was eating him alive. He was in the same city and had barely made a move on him yet. He didn't want to make the same mistakes that had cost Mia Moore her life. He wanted to study them from afar at first, before moving in. Without a doubt, he knew that Mecca had been the one to end Mia Moore's life. But that didn't relieve the blame from Carter's shoulder so easily. He wanted revenge on them all. Carter was a leader, and above all else, he had chosen a wife, Mia Moore. He should have ensured her protection. What type of nigga lets his chick be murdered in cold blood, Murder thought. Which is pretty close to the same question he asked in Mia Moore's dreams. Murder would have never let anything happen to Mia Moore. She had been the only woman he had ever loved. He remembered how infectious her personality was. How easy it was to become consumed in her beauty. How he would have done anything for her. He concluded that any man who truly loved Mia Moore. Could have never let this happen. Did he never think of Anissa while he was at all? Like not even a little bit? Like he built up this whole statue of Mia Moore in his head. That he had of her when she was like 18. Which is wild. This whole statue. This whole thing he had in his head of her. And she was grown. So even if. He got out and she was alive. She's not the same person he she was when he went in. Right? So, you have the you now have her on a pedestal that you will never take her off of because she's dead. You're not mourning Anissa at all, which... Mia Moore was the type of woman you kept shielded from the world because she couldn't be replaced. She had been a rare find. An unspoiled soul with a ruthless talent for killing. There was not another soul like hers in existence. And now that she was gone, murder saw nothing but black. There was no white in his world. No silver lining around his dark cloud. She had been the best part of him. What the fuck? Like, And even from afar and through the isolation of the prison walls, he had loved her. She simply wasn't the type of chick who would blow through your money and whisper sweet nothings in your ear. She was the type to blow a hole through a nigga and hit his safe right next to her man if need be. She was loyal. Before murder had ever gotten a chance to truly build a life with her, Carter had come along, snatching her heart from underneath him. Murder moved quickly through the condominium. He wasn't exactly sure what he was looking for. He simply needed to know more. And with Carter out of town on business, this was the perfect opportunity for him to search for answers. He came across a photo of and Moore and Carter. The happy snapshot featured the couple vacationing on a beach. Jealousy burned through him as he placed the picture face down on the mantle. Just as he was about to make his exit, he noticed a book that stuck out slightly from the collection on the bookshelf. He walked over to it and pulled it gently. As expected, a trap door opened, and murder slipped inside. It looked like an army's arsenal closet. For a man of murder's profession, it was like being a kid in a candy store as he admired all of the flawless guns. He knew the room had not been meant for anyone's eyes but me and Moore. It was where she kept all the details of the job she had accepted. And tacked to the wall was a huge picture of Mecca Diamond with a red circle around it. As he stared at the extensive research that Mia Moore had done on the Diamond family, he was amazed. She had been so detailed, so precise. I'm amazed, too, that in all his time over there, Carter never noticed this shit. And they never talked about it. And they never referenced it until now, when he needs this shit. Through three books, well, one book, they never talked about this secret back cave that she had in her condo that really just led to, like, the fucking hallway closet. Never. The people who sold her to condo, you know, the folks that worked for Diamond Realty, never mentioned that she requested that a secret-ass room be built off in her bat cave. Nothing. Okay, cool. She had indeed become the best at what she did. Even Murder didn't realize what she was capable of. She even had monitors that showed the inside of her own home, so that when she was inside of the room, she would know exactly who was inside of her place and what room they were located in. That'll play out later. It didn't take that long. He froze when he heard the lock to the front door turn. Luckily, Murderer made his way through the condo in the dark, and his identity was hidden behind the ski mask he wore. He turned off his flashlight and pulled the trapdoor closed as he watched the monitor to see who was coming inside. His temple throbbed when he saw Mecca Diamond enter. Mecca had noticed that Carter had been throwing him shade lately, and he had a feeling that it had something to do with Mia Moore. He wanted to know how much Carter actually knew. It would give him a better idea how to play the situation. He left the lights off as he moved through the place. As Murder watched Mecca disappear through the monitors, he crept out quietly, forty-five in his hand. Killing Mecca would be sweet for him. And as he stood in the middle of the living room, he contemplated his options. The murder mamas had advised him to play his cards right. If he hit Mecca tonight, it would throw a red flag to the rest of the members of the cartel. There will be a contract out for Mecca's murderer almost immediately. And with everybody on edge, it would make it even harder for murder to get to Carter. He silently headed for the door and was about to leave when an overwhelming hatred for Mecca overcame him. His murder game clicked on and he turned on his heel and headed towards the bedroom. Fuck hitting all these niggas at once. Another opportunity like this ain't going to present itself. Murder thought as he preyed on Mecca, letting his gun lead the way down the pitch black hallway. Mecca used a tiny flashlight as his only illumination as he went through Carter's possessions. When he found the small 14-karat gold cross that his father had given him, he froze. He hadn't seen it since the day he had killed Mia Moore. He had beaten her so mercilessly that it had fallen from his neck. The fact that Carter now had it meant that Carter had been to Mecca's torture house. I thought it was the cartel's torture house. Who owns it? Who's got custody? He had seen the tools that had been used to torture Mia Moore. He knows, Mecca thought. He had hoped that it would not have had to come to this. He had witnessed firsthand how much Carter cared for Mia and Moore, and this would surely put them at odds. He just couldn't let the bitch go. That's why he's been looking at me sideways. Fuck, Mecca thought. He knew what had to be done, but was no longer sure if he could do it. He didn't want to murder another brother. He was trying to become a better man, and it was no longer in him to take the life of someone he loved. As Mecca thought over his dilemma, an eerie feeling suddenly came over him. He was a breed of mankind that had not been reproduced yet and he instantly knew that someone was behind him. He could almost smell the gunpowder from the weapon that was pointed at the back of his head. Mecca bucked back violently. Ah! he screamed as he pushed back with all his might, throwing murder off balance as Mecca rammed him into the wall. A fight between the two men was useless. They were both too skilled to get the best of the other. Every blow Mecca threw, murder blocked. And each time Murder wrapped his finger around the trigger, Mecca averted his aim. Their battle was like a synchronized dance as they attacked each other with full force, each becoming increasingly frustrated because neither could gain the upper hand. Who the fuck sent you? Mecca barked. He wasn't sure who was gunning for him now. It could easily be Estes, but with this new revelation, it could be Carter as well. Murder finally managed to get his finger around the trigger and he fired relentlessly as he wrestled with Mecca for control of the gun. Sparks erupted from the barrel of the gun like a fireworks display on the 4th of July. Murder's skinny build failed him in a fist fight. He would shoot the shit out of a nigga before he ever sparred with him. But Mecca, on the other hand, was good with his hands. Mecca's well-built, solid frame allowed him to finally overpower Murder, causing the gun to go flying across the room. Murder knew the Mecca was strapped and went for the only exit in the room, the bedroom balcony. He ran full force, breaking through the glass, and disappeared before Mecca could get off a shot. Mecca was far from a rookie, however. It was the same exact escape that he had used to get away from Essex's goons, and his hollow-point bullets could swim. He knew to aim straight for the pool below. He reached out and rushed to lean over the balcony only to find the pool undisturbed below. Fucking nigga ain't Superman. Where the fuck did he? Mecca stated in confusion. But before he could even finish his sentence, Murder's gun emerged from the balcony below. Without hesitation, he fired, hitting Mecca in the face. Murder was grateful that he always carried a weapon on his ankle as he ran through the empty condo and out the front door, where he skirted off into the night. Oh, well. The music in the club blared loudly. I I mean, honestly, I don't know if they wanted to feel bad for Mecca because I feel like Mecca's the biggest villain in the entire book. So, I really mean, oh, well. Like, there's nothing. I feel nothing for him. I feel something for Mia Moore. I feel something for Breeze. And the mom, Taryn. Everybody else? Oh, well. The music in the club blared loudly as Carter sat back in the booth while a beautiful Mexican girl danced in front of him. His eyes graced the delicate curves of her body as she put on the best performance he had ever seen. Seeing her before him made him feel empty inside. Outwardly, no one would be able to tell that he was in turmoil, but in the privacy of his heart, he was broken from losing Mia Moore. I should have been there for her. I could have stopped Mecca if she had just come to me. How did I not know what was going on right underneath my nose? A part of Carter felt like he didn't even know Mia anymore. She had lived a lifestyle so closely linked to his that it was scary. His logic told him that he had been a target of hers along with the rest of the cartel. But he could never bring himself to believe that she would ever bring him harm. The love that they had built was too deep. And although so many things she had told him had been lies, he knew that her feelings for him had been truth. He was in a daze as he thought of her, placing her face on the dancer in front of him. They don't make tits like this in Miami, eh? Felipe asked, interrupting Carter's thoughts. This is purebred Mexicana pussy, he bragged as he tipped generously and sipped his glass of cognac. Carter chuckled as he raised his glass to acknowledge the beauty that surrounded him in the club. This is the business that you need to get into. The drug money is good, but this is where it's at, Felipe stated surely. Prostitution? Carter said doubtfully. Felipe shook his head and smiled coyly while pointing at Carter. No, my friend. That's where you're wrong. He pointed to the girls around the club. This right here? It's just one entity. Trafficking. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. Trafficking. That's what I'm into. I buy and sell girls. I put into work in clubs, brothels on the streets. Sex is man's biggest addiction, Carter. I supply that demand, and it makes me filthy rich. He's about to show this nigga Breeze. And then he's going to kill Felipe. And that's where the dirt's going to start. I supply that demand, and it makes me filthy rich. Let me show you something. Carter stood and followed Felipe through the club as he explained his operation. This club is one of many of my establishments. I own every property on this street, and each one serves its purpose. Felipe led Carter out the front door and then pointed to the house next door. That house right there is a brothel, and the one next to it is an auction house. An auction house, as in slave auctions, Carter stated condescendingly. Modern day slavery, if that's what you like to call it. Human trafficking is big business. It's happening all over the world. I buy my girls from all over and I put them to work. Pump them up on heroin and they'll do anything I say. How do you keep them from running away, Carter asked as they stepped into the brothel house. Where are they going to go? They have no one, no family. They come from many different places. Some are from Africa, some from Asia, the Caribbean, you name it. You name it! All they have is me and the addiction that holds them hostage, Felipe replied. The house was littered with drug paraphernalia. Dirty needles lay out on tables, and the smell of sex filled the air. Carter was almost too disgusted to continue the tour. He could only imagine the type of clientele to frequent at the spot. Brotha was just a friendly name for a whorehouse, in his opinion, and he knew that this would never be a type of venture he would be interested in taking. He didn't believe in exploitation, and as Carter looked around the house, he knew that the women trapped there were simply waiting to die. The money never touched the girl's hands. The men paid a madam on the way in, Felipe stated. He expected Carter to be impressed, but his creased brow revealed his contempt. His moral compass allowed him to do many things. He had killed, robbed, and deceived, but to kill a person's soul and force him into prostitution was beyond Carter's ability. His moral compass would not allow him to ever become that lost. I know what you're thinking. You think I'm running a trashy establishment here, Felipe stated. I only buy the best girls. Let me show you the grade A pussy I'm selling here. You revealing way too much to a new nigga, first of all. That's your downfall. Like, y'all should have just, you should have just gave him the rest of the bricks and y'all should have been out. He led Carter up the stairs to one of the closed bedroom doors. Before Felipe opened it, he said, All you need is a few like this one in here and men will come from everywhere to sample her. She's my big money maker. He opened the door, and when Carter stepped in, his heart broke in half. The sight before him almost brought him to his knees. It was as if he was seeing a ghost. She's supposed to be dead. How long has she been here? As the girl lifted her head, her eyes met Carter's. It had been a long time since they had seen one another. It was a reunion that neither of them thought would ever come. Before him was Breeze Diamond. Now before I go too further into this. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? Nope. Gonna hold it. Gonna hold it. Gonna circle back. Put a pin in it. Before him was Breeze Diamond. On her knees in front of a John. She was so high out of her mind that she didn't believe what was happening before her very eyes. She had imagined her family too many times to get her hopes up. She was so high that she thought Carter was simply another customer waiting to be serviced. She shed a single tear as she lowered her head back into the man's crotch and went back to work. So, they did all this to Breeze. They literally fucked up her life. So then, she could be a deuce ex machina for Carter to kill Felipe. So then... Uh, Josiah will want to kill everybody and another war could start and they could have a new enemy. Okay. I'm furious, but I'm used to this. Like they thought that this is the best way to do it. And I disagree. But it's their book. I'm just reading it. Zaire sat back on his plush king-sized bed as he and Ileana counted the money he had just collected from the streets. The first flip had been good, and everybody was eating again. In fact, the streets had never seen a cocaine epidemic like the one the cartel was pushing. It was a new day, and although internal tensions were at an all-time high, everybody was putting their differences aside, because they all saw the bigger picture. It was time to move on and let past beefs die. The cartel was in a stage of rebuilding, and money was always a common denominator to put everyone on the same page. How much of that? he asked as he threw a large stack at Iliana, causing her to drop the blunt that was hanging loosely from her lips. It fell onto the exposed skin of her thigh. Damn it, Zai! she screamed as she frantically hopped up, wearing nothing but lace panties and one of his button up shirts. You burnt the shit out of me, she whined. You'll be all right. Finish counting that, Zaire instructed. He continued the count in his head as he began to flip through a new stack of money. He was a mathematician when it came to his paper. The sound of the bills flipping through the money machine was like a classic melody to him. But he even questioned its accuracy. After the machine counted it, he counted it. Every dollar, one by one, until he was content with the amount. He would usually do the task alone but he knew that Iliana posed no threat. She wasn't your average woman. She didn't need to steal, because she had her own, and her bank account was filled with endless zeros. It was for this reason alone that he allowed her to be present. After many lonely nights, Iliana's presence in Miami had become surprisingly welcome. She was a distraction, someone he felt comfortable enough around because she understood his world. At first, Zaire was hesitant to keep her too close, but after many lonely nights, the feelings of isolation and the ghosts that haunted his mind became too much. He needed companionship, and the time he spent with Eliana became convenient for Zaire. Her warm body filled the empty space in his beds most nights, but unfortunately for Eliana, his heart remained ice cold. That was a void that only one woman could fill. And he had closed it off to the rest of the world the day the Breeze had been kidnapped. The day that she disappeared was the same day that Zaire gave up on love. Hustling was all that mattered, getting money his only concern. Even a woman as strikingly beautiful as Iliana could not soften his reserve. She had managed to squeeze into his bed, but he would never allow another woman to enter his life in the magnitude the Breeze diamond had. Meeting her had changed the man that he was. See? Told y'all so. Episodes back. Check it out. Her kidnapping was for his growth. The suicide in the dream was for his growth. And now he's grown, even though it was a dream. Meeting her had changed the man he was, and losing her had killed his spirit. No, I can't afford to feel like that again. Loving a woman hurts too bad, he thought as he watched Ileana carefully. Why are you looking at me like that, Poppy? Eliana asked, snapping Zaire out of his daze. You see something you like? Her flirtatious nature surfaced as she threw the money from her hands up into the air. What are you doing, Ma? You fucking up the count, he objected with dismay. Ileana shrugged her shoulders as she began to unbutton the shirt she was wearing, revealing her perky breasts and quarter sized nipples. You're just going to count it anyway, she said as she brought her face close to his and kissed his lips. Zaire turned his head, allowing her kiss to fall on his neck. Having a woman's lips on his own was too intimate for him. You kiss those that you love, and there was nothing but lust between them. He flipped her over so that he was on top and tapped her ass slightly. She already knew that he wanted to hit her from the back. He liked to see her derriere jiggle as he slid in and out of her. Eliana was willing to give Zaire anything he desired. She was desperate to become his and to be affiliated with everything concerning him. She had never dealt with a man like him before. Everything about him attracted her, and she was pulling out all of the stops in order to appeal to him. She wanted to be down, and the fact that he was a business associate of her brothers was even better. It meant that he was powerful because the guards cartel only dealt with the elite. As he slid into her, she grimaced from his size. but with each stroke he put down on her, the pain slowly gave way to pleasure. She threw her pussy on him like her life depended on it. There was no slow lovemaking going on. Zaire was beating it up. Ileana moaned loudly, unable to contain herself. He reached around her body and fingered her clit simultaneously, making her call out to him in Spanish. It didn't take her long to come. Zaire was well-versed in the female persuasion and brought her to an orgasm better than any man before him ever could. Money stuck to her sweat-covered body as she breathed in heavily from their intense escapade. She collapsed on the bed, exhausted as she watched Zaire stand before her. Come lay with me, she said as she rubbed the empty spot next to her. She saw the look in his eyes and knew that he was about to tell her no. She knew she had to turn up her game in order to get her way. He was constantly pulling away from her. Sex was her only weapon, the only thing that kept him near. I'm not done with you yet, she said as she reached up and grabbed his penis. It came back to life instantly from her touch, and she smiled as she crawled to the edge of the bed and took him into her mouth. She was an expert at keeping a man interested in the bedroom. All she had to do was figure out how to keep Zaire focused on her once the sun came up she wanted him for herself and was willing to go to any extreme to ensure that he belonged to her. 916-633-1537 WretchedandWretched at gmail.com I kind of want to think that they're they closed out with Breeze sucking a John's dick and Ileana sucking Zaire's dick. Like they're the reason behind that but I don't want to. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com Ratchet Book Club on Twitter Ratchet Book Club on Facebook uh, Leave a review on Podchaser You can leave a review for the show or the episode um, Leave a review on Apple Podcasts Thank you to everybody who's left the review I greatly appreciate it uh, You can become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash single simulcast You can help me buy some books at buymeacoffee.com slash sscast uh, you can tip me if you're on Good Pods at uh, Good Pods. It's an app. Look at it. It's dope. Thank you so much for listening. I do greatly appreciate it. Y'all be good. I'm holler at you later. Peace.